Welcome to the Northern Grower Podcast, a place for gardeners, growers, and homesteaders alike to enjoy some gardening culture, history, and information with a focus on northern climates. However, gardeners from all areas of the world and zones are welcome here. My name is Erin, and I'm a gardener here in northern Alberta in Zone 3. On our homestead, we grow a variety of produce for our pantry and seeds for retail. Today's episode is going to be a bite-sized introduction to companion planting. And before I launch into today's episode, I do just want to uh, give a big shout out to everybody that has listened, downloaded, left a review. You're all fantastic. I have hit the 3000 download mark, which I was really happy to happy to reach. And it's really awesome to think that this little podcast I record on a Sunday afternoon in my basement is... Uh, has made it to the 3,000 download mark. So thank you all so much for the love and listens. Um, It is a beautiful weekend. So we had a snowstorm a couple of weeks ago here and it blew through and got pretty cold. Um, But I think that weather hopefully has passed us for the year. So it is very hot. We, of course, in just a matter of weeks, we go from below zero temperatures to hitting 27, 28, almost up into the 30 degrees mark. So our switch into summer can often be quite intense. Um, And so an update on our garden, we have actually decided we have got our tomatoes outside. We have been hardening hardening them off for a long time. And then we got hit with that snowstorm and those cold temperatures. And we decided to hold off putting them outside and I I saw as well a lot on social media a lot of gardeners had the same and were sharing pictures of their uh, plants kind of filling up their their house as they are waiting to go outside but we held off putting them outside a little bit and we have actually got our tomatoes planted out so that is good start to the year after a good start our tomatoes are planted out um We have also got our corn in the ground now, and I have also been planting some more flowers. So I planted some dahlias today. I managed to find some of the caffeolate variety, so I have those planted out. And these are actually new to me. So from what I understand, in my zone, they are not hardy. They will not overwinter in zone three. So I think after the first frost... So on the back end of the year, after the first frost, I have to dig the crowns out of the ground. And then then also uh, get them stored away for the winter season and plant them back out the following spring. So I am excited to try that avenue there. So let's get back to today's episode, which is companion planting. And companion planting is essentially the intentional mixing and planting of plants that will provide certain benefits to one another. And it's also a great way to increase biodiversity in your garden. This is a very useful method for pest management as well if you don't want you don't want to resort to sprays, if at all possible. For the record, we have never sprayed our plants or vegetables for insects. We have always managed it without 
and we have been fairly successful. We usually don't have too much of a problem. Last summer, we got unhit with unusually wet, a wet summer. It was an anomaly for our climate, um, and slugs were a huge problem. And so this year, I don't think we're going to be as wet, but we are being more proactive, and we had to rethink, okay, how are we going to manage our trap cropping and interplanting this year to just be proactive against those slugs. And we're going to get a little bit more into trap cropping a little bit further into this episode. So some of those extra benefits of companion planting include trap cropping, just as I mentioned, and attracting pollinators to your garden. So those for me are the two big ones, trap cropping and attracting pollinators. And then a third important benefit is that you can also companion plant to provide protection from the elements. You may plant certain plants next to each other and one plant could take some beating from the elements and protect other plants. So let's look at these benefits and talk about some easy ways to get started with companion planting in your space. The first one we'll talk about is trap cropping. Now it's one of my favorite reasons to companion plant and fundamentally I'm prepping and planting some sacrificial plants to take the brunt of predatory insects that I don't particularly want to get into my garden. So the plants that you use for trap cropping, they're protecting other plants. You're basically sacrificing some to the pests. And these plants will attract the pests to them instead of um, like, let's say your tomatoes or something. So you might plant rows of your trap crop between your main crops or use them as borders on your garden. We, we use both. One of my favorites, because they grow easily and are ready available, is to companion plant lettuces and leafy greens throughout our vegetable beds to attract slugs and caterpillars and anything that likes to munch on these greens, basically. Anything that likes leaves, munching on leafy greens, I am going to interplant lettuces in those beds and hopefully the slugs will be and caterpillars will be attracted to those lettuces instead of my plants that I want to keep. Other great trap crops are flowers such as nasturtiums, marigolds or petunias and with flowers you you get a two for one so not only will they attract pollinators into your garden mm. they also attract predatory insects such as white flies, leafhoppers, aphids and beetles luring them away from your other plants. So these are great uh, companion plants to have in your garden. And if you have issues with carrot flies too, planting parsley alongside your carrots can also be a helpful deterrent. Now with trap cropping as well, um, you have to make sure you are intentionally planting your trap crops because of course you're wanting to lure um, pests or predatory insects away from a certain plant. So you have to make sure you're planting your trap crops close to the plant you want to protect. So that's why I said you might use it as a border around a bed or plant in rows, anything like that. Now, when I'm talking about the next benefit will be pollinators, attracting pollinators into your garden. Those type of things, if you're looking to just generally attract pollinators, you could pretty much plant anywhere throughout your gardening space. 
So attracting those beneficial insects in, bring flowers into your garden beds, bring flowers into your garden space, even just have um, flowers in pots on a deck. They are going to not only increase the aesthetic appeal of your garden, but um, they will also have a lot of plants too will have other beneficial insects, uh, other beneficial um uses some some flowers you'd have to look more into it i don't have time in this episode but some flowers can be edible some flowers have medicinal purposes as well as attracting those insects so essentially you want pollinators like bees and blood butterflies to come into your garden and with their help fertilize your plants lure them in by making sure your garden has many bee and butterfly friendly flowers as a side note, we do grow a biodiverse lawn in our garden as well. We don't just have a monoculture of grass. We have dandelions and clover growing throughout, which attract uh, bees and other pollinators. And as a side note, we also leave the dandelions on our lawn as late into the year as possible before going around and hand pulling. Um, Typically, they are the first flowers to bloom, and therefore they are actually the first food source for bees, especially in colder climates, like, like my own, where I am. The dandelions are actually, they come out in May, they start blooming typically, and they are the first, some one of the first food sources for bees. So it is really important to leave those dandelions out as late as you can. We do not start pulling them until the end of May, beginning of June, and even then, we leave some uh, around for bees. It kind of does make me sad when I see people spraying their pesticide on those dandelions as soon as they pop up. Because they they are a vital food source for bees and one of the first ones out there. So please leave them a little bit later if you can. And flower other flowers you can plant that will attract these creatures into your yard or garden also include alisum. It's a plant that is not only attractive to pollinators, but it is also useful as a filler in between beds. It does provide habitat and cover for insects, and it also helps break up the soil. So it is a good, nice filler in between your beds. Or if you're practicing rotation, you might just want to put a bed of alisum in one year as well. Borage is another really nice one. It grows very easily here in our garden. It is deer-proof as an added bonus, and it also attracts pollinators. Another thing it does, it also has a double whammy of not only attracting pollinators, but it does deter tomato hornworm and cabbage moth as well. And so it does do well paired with tomatoes and squashes in your garden. Yarrow is another that will attract pollinators. Um, but again, it also has a double whammy of not just attracting pollinators, it attracts predatory bugs. And it is also, I've done an episode on Yarrow, it has some really good benefits as well. And another benefit of it is that it breaks down very quickly, so it will be good to cut and put into your compost heap, or if you're making compost teas as well. So it is a really useful um, plant to have in your garden. Lastly, another benefit of companion planting is to provide the protection from the elements from other plant for other plants. So some examples would include squash. It has large low leaves and it typically will travel and trail along the ground. 
and the leaves can provide good cover protection for soil and can help the soil retain moisture over the summer so the soil gets uh, less moisture will evaporate out of there and it will get less dry and often the reason is it's planted with corn for that reason it will trail around the tall uh, corn plants so if you use it for three sisters planting those leaves will shade the roots and can help maintain moisture for those uh, corn roots and the beans as well that you would if you were going to three sisters plant of course you would have the beans in there as well sunflowers of course are very tall and as well as attracting beneficial insects and looking stunning my favorite flower is the sunflower they do also provide shade for other plants so plants that like partial shade or can get sun stressed um, I know where I live we have a very short summer but again it's I think I mentioned it before it's very intense and we can get these really hot hot days where the sun just beats and beats down on you so um, tall plants throughout your garden if you really focus on where to plant them they can also then provide some shade throughout the day for other plants so lettuce would be happy to have some shade and so planting some lettuce intentionally planting those beds of lettuce where those sunflowers could provide shade for them will be beneficial for them corn is another plant that also provides essential shade so uh, some plants that would also benefit from having that shade from corn would include like your leafy greens again your spinaches lettuces chard and also bush beans so if you are going to do some three sisters planting as well bush beans do benefit from growing around the bottom of corn plants they get that shade as well and of course there are um, stockpiles of information in books online where you can even find really good detailed charts that highlight plants that also just enjoy growing alongside one another um, this is a very bite-sized quick introduction to companion planting and I've shared a few little tips but I suggest if you're new to gardening draw out a plan of your garden and keep it simple you may not have everything perfectly companion planted alongside one another every year but draw out a map come up with some plans think of the best compromise and the best options you have and of course actually we change it up every year something changes in our garden we do practice crop rotation and we shuffle plants around and then if, depending on how the previous year went we take notes we keep them and then we change what goes where when we planted everything like that every year we're constantly in january readdressing re-looking at our garden even we can even be sitting there up until the day we plant and then decide to change something around in our garden even now into the year in May or June. So it is just, it's gardening is nothing that to me is set in stone. You just have to go with the flow of your garden. It is an environment, of course, itself. And so it ebbs and flows, right? The way your garden works, it ebbs and flows with the natural environment around it. So we are all just out here doing our best in our gardens. So I hope you don't feel too overwhelmed. Um, I hope this was just a nice little introduction and like I said there are lots of there's lots of information out there as well if you want to look more into companion planting but thank you so much for listening to this little episode I do appreciate it so much again if you do want to connect or comment you can email at the northern grower at gmail.com you can follow um, 
give me a follow on Instagram at the underscore northern underscore grower. Or you can even go to our retail website, which is greenwitchseed.ca and uh, take a look at some of the options we have for seeds available for purchase. If you did enjoy downloading this episode or any other episodes, please take the two seconds to leave a review. I really appreciate that as well. Thank you so much. Happy growing and gardening.